All right. Uh, is is it recording? It is. It I, is on my end. Yeah, this is uh Dallas from uh the Grand Design, um podcast, and uh, who am I speaking to? Yash. <laughs> Yash from Entrepreneur. How are you guys? How are you guys going? All right. How you doing today, man? I'm great. I'm great. Um, if you if you guys can't tell my my accent, I'm from Melbourne, Australia, um, and obviously t- today, unfortunately, we've had, we've had a break in my mum's work, so that's where I've been. So uh, on a bit of an edge, but yeah, still loving life. Right, and um, it's been a long season for y'all, man. It's been a long season. Oh, it's been tough over here. I trust you. Know I mean? <laughs> is the media over, over, like overhyping it, or is that real? Is that reality? Oh no! Like those fires that's happened, that's real. That's real stuff. Um, we've had almost half of our koala population pass away in the last probably three, four months. We've had, wow. um, I don't know what that number was, but like fifteen million acres or something like that. Hundred million acres of, uh, yeah wildlife burn over those fires or so it was a, it was a significant amount of mm-hmm. uh trees and wildlife just burn from that stuff so it's definitely real and as you know i'm sure like there's a lot of fake news out there so you probably heard your fair point of that <laughs> but, um yeah yeah it was it was significant that's for sure have, have you seen the fires oh yeah we uh, we live uh close to the countryside so every yeah. morning every night we were actually inhaling all that as well so um oh, our city line was all smokes uh we couldn't even see our city line so we're, we're from where from where i live we could actually see uh melbourne city right most of the time for about two months we couldn't even see that so that's how that's how bad it was it was like fog all around um really not healthy for you and we weren't even in the trenches of that we were right outside it so those people that were actually lost their houses they lost their livelihoods um very serious very serious that's for sure mm. man speedy recovery everybody that cannot be good when when paired with a virus that attacks your lungs can't be good yeah but yeah. Uh, how you been oh uh, man it's a good question um <laughs> i've been really it's all been one way i've been inspired but more so than anything, I think the most accurate way to describe it would be joy. As simple as that sounds, you know, how, you know, joy and excitement. Um, I'm new to this city, man. I'm new to Los Angeles. And uh, when I first got here, it was like, this is not exactly home, even though this is something, uh, the area that I dreamed about, you know, inhabiting for so long. And um, just the other day, we were driving, uh, I don't remember where, we were. we were by Silver Lake, which is like this little nice, quiet, modern neighborhood. And we were weaving through the bins, uh, it was probably about 12 a.m. at night or something like this. This was before the quarantine, and uh, which is not a real quarantine. I'm outside right now. I can walk down the street if I want. But I remember just driving through there, and I was very happy because it, it smelled like roses. You know, springtime's coming around, it smelled like roses. And one of the things that appealed to me the most about that is, I'm very, 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 very big on ambience and on nature and things like that. You know, you go home to Maryland and my favorite things are, you know, fireflies. I don't know what y'all call them, but lightning bugs is what I call them. Um, Crickets in the summertime, just the summer themes and the summer feelings and the summer scents. And so 
that just triggered the joy in me just driving through those neighborhoods and looking at these houses that are multi-million dollar houses. Oh, yeah. Envisioning the future there, you know, the multi-million yeah. dollar houses with the wood grain and crazy houses and um, smelling the roses and being out late at night. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a crazy, you know, That feel. reminds me, that, that uh, experience that you had driving through those houses, that reminds me of my favorite book of all time oh. um, by Robert Sherman. I'm not too sure if you've heard of him. Uh, it's why is that idiot rich and I'm not? And it it is, I bought that book for $3 from a secondhand shop back in year 11. Right. Year 11 over in Australia is uh, first year senior. I'm pretty sure of you, where you guys are. Um, s- senior level, senior? <laughs> Our senior is 12. Oh, is it? Okay, so yeah, year 11. One through 12th grade. One year before that. Wow. And that literally changed my whole aspect of like of my mentality. And that's why I got into this entrepreneurship and business. But the, the one thing he said from it was uh, vision yourself as successful, yeah. as rich, even now, like going through those suburbs, dining at your favorite restaurants or your multi, even yeah. if it's just buying, if it, even if it's just drinking the water there, just feel like you're there and feel like you've already made it successful. Envision it. So before you even become successful, have that vision in your mind and continually go over it. And then one day it's going to become a reality. That's, that's like, that's a massive thing that I got out of that book was just the envisioning part of it and actually living it today instead of living it in the future. Yeah. So act as if you're successful today Yeah. where one day you will actually be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome how you brought that up. I appreciate it, man. I, I think visualization is a very, very powerful thing um, all the way through, you know, man, uh, a lot of us, you know, designers in the world, uh, our first experience of success, um, it really starts at a young age in sports. And with sports, you know, as you know, a lot of us is that's where our, our breeding ground for our visions and, you know, the practice of visualization as a whole. You know, the idea, you know, when I was a wrestler, there was this tournament and it was held in December around my neighborhood. It was actually at my, you know, the school that was in my district. And uh, it was the first tournament of the year. And I remember envisioning everything about that tournament from the way the mats would be, the crowds, yeah. the scents. And um, because I would get so into the, you know, the, the idea of it, I would get nervous in the middle of August when the tournament is not to December. And the old idea, the concept of visualization in the sport was, you know, in wrestling, you take shots and you try to get people like you try to take them down. How can you get me with a move that I've seen you do five months before I got here? And that was the ideology behind it. But you, man, do you do you visualize a lot? Do you have you have you have you uh, started with like dream boards and do you write down your visions? You're a big writer. I know that. But what's your visualization? Just recently, um, I've been getting into that. I, I've never really had a vision board and all that type of stuff um, before, but I've started to slowly integrate it onto my computer screens at home. Oh. I've got like a picture of a Corvette, which is my favorite car. I've got a picture of a yeah. massive house that I feel like one day, but whenever I turn on this computer, man, I'm just like, holy crap, I need to keep working, keep working yeah. towards that. And the first thing I buy that's going to be lavish and stuff is that Corvette straight out. Um, and like, yeah, recently I've just been journaling as well. Um, shout out to Dean Graziosi for the Better Life Journal. 
uh, literally every single thought I get gets written in that right now. Um, so like that's the best way. Instead of writing on your phone, phone, you, you, I don't feel like you don't remember it. When you write it hands on yeah. and you write, you write from the heart and you just write everything onto that piece of paper, it will mm-hmm. stick and it will, then you can go back to that in, a, in like one year time and you're like, look at my journey from that day onto today. I've grown so much and that's what I can't wait to do. Yeah. Just last week I started journaling and now um, I'm already thinking of that year's time going back. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really big into visualization now and it's so powerful. What is what does it look like? What does that day look like? You know, we all have oh, a man. <laughs> rival day. You know what I mean? What is what is that what is that like? That ensemble of things when it comes together. You know what it is, right? Um let me pull up that I, I listened to a song uh, on the radio the other day. Uh it's called it's from Panic at the Disco. Uh, High Hopes. Have you heard that song? That is literally one of my favorite songs. I got to have high, high hopes. For... You know that song? I listened to that song and then I literally visualized myself coming on a stage full of thousands of people uh, and just jumping into the sky when that bass dropped. Uh, oh my God, man. That, that gave me goosebumps and that's what I want to be in the future. I literally want to impact that many people's lives where they'll be paying me to listen to me on stage live. Like that's right. That's my, that's my goal. That's my big dream right there. We're there. What's that? How many people are there? Thousands, man. Thousands. I'm on a stage. I'm like, like there's a, there's a host and they're like, now the, the moment you've been waiting for, Yash Akuna and the High Hope starts playing us. Man. I've been visualizing that in my mind for weeks and weeks and weeks, months now. Do you and know I just, this? what's that? Do you know where this arena is? You know, you have like a state in mind or? or... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone that in depth yet. Um, what, what do you think? What do you feel? Like, what do you, like, if you had to say a place, like, what's your hunch say about it? My hunch right now when you said arena is the Melbourne cricket ground, the Melbourne, the MCG, um, probably the largest, I think it's the largest oval in the world. Um, I think it's like three times as big as your football ovals over there for the NFL. Um, it can house like a hundred thousand. Imagine, imagine speaking live at a hundred thousand people. Oh my God. I haven't thought that big yet. Maybe it's like five, 10,000. I don't think anything has that that magnitude has ever been. Well, okay, yeah, it has been done before, but um, that yeah, was, I think MCG is one of the biggest grounds on on the yeah. planet, um, and it's right here in Melbourne as well. So that's why it's so awesome. Um, that oh man, when I heard that song, oh. <laughs> you got the intro and everything, man. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy that you know that we'll look back on this one day and be like, wow, remember we talked about that happening. And yeah. The blueprint, yeah. you know, it's funny because I was talking to my brother on the phone the other day and he said, everything is an archetype, you know, same way I say everything's a pattern and the pattern to get you there is already set out in reality. Um, who do you, who do you, who, whose pattern do you analyze to, you know, uh, to try to correspond with, you know? Uh, 
Uh, your your big one is Russell Brunson, and just recently I've been listening to him so much, and I know that's got your big smile on your face right now. Um, <laughs> Russell Brunson, man, he's a, he's dope. He's awesome. Um, another big one is probably Tony Robbins. Right. He's a he, he, I listen to him, and I could just I could fall asleep to his words. That's how soothing he is. Oh. Um, oh man, who else? Like Mark Cuban, he's massive. If there was one person in life I could meet, it would be, it would be Mark Cuban. Man, it's really he's just, Mark Cuban. He's awesome. <laughs> he's the definition of Cuban. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But those are the people that I articulate, and there's more people that are closest to me, such as yourself, that I'd love to be like in, when I'm 20. How old are you, 23? Yeah, I turned 23 how many days ago? About 20 days ago. Oh, goddamn. Happy birthday. I didn't even, uh, say, I didn't even know that. Day after Russell Brunson, um, yes, twenty days ago exactly. Twenty days ago. Twenty days ago. Wow. Um, oh, man, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> what? Twenty three? Can you imagine being twenty three? Like that's tragedy. Oh, that's so young, man. You're doing so much. You should be proud of yourself. Twenty three is young. 100%. You're crazy. One hundred percent. I was thinking. I was speaking to my my mate about you, um, and he's he manages my instagram page as well alongside me and i was just like just open up the conversation i've had with juni mm-hmm. and just listen just just read the words that he says and he's like holy crap this guy's amazing oh thank you man i appreciate it we've literally had I, i've never had anyone else that's gone in depth like that with me ever mm-hmm. about anything just and most of our conversations are through instagram typing like they're words they read they don't even and it's just insane how um, how much you care about people and I, I wish you the best in your life 100% man man I appreciate it same to you and uh I've never had I've never had this type of conversation with somebody in reality either I got this one friend his name is Rashad he's he's, he's the same way but he isn't really into the internet marketing and mass movement game as much I guess is the only difference you should talk to him he's great man that dude is so smart He's he he's actually part of this podcast, part of the Grand Design Podcast. He hasn't uploaded yet. Oh, awesome. But um, yeah, man, I just think it's such a fascinating you know world we live in, and 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 I think that the success of our race uh, as humans will be predicated by how fast we develop and how you know uh, how, you know in, in which amounts we develop empathy towards other people and that's that's really it's all it's about and you've displayed a lot of empathy yourself i mean have you have you thought about that is that is that something that matters to you empathy towards myself what do you mean like no i'm saying you've displayed a lot of empathy in general is that oh. have you always been that way oh yeah man I, I'm i'm a super emotional guy if it's if it's happy like I'm displaying right now, or if it's yeah. sad like when I watch a sad movie, I cry to the end. Like holy crap! But I, <laughs> I'm really emotional and I'm I'm really compassionate about people and I love helping people. Like ever since I was in year eleven, year twelve, this is high school days. Right. I, I've always loved helping my mates. Like we we didn't obviously go, we didn't we weren't brought on a silver platter in life, so. Yeah. We, We've, we've gone through some stuff, obviously, my mates and I, my family. So um, just just listening to what we have been through in life and trying to help them as much as possible, stay positive, lift their head up in those negative times and just 
really go in depth and analyze the situation. Like I did with one of my mates, um, Alyssa, I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but one day maybe, uh, this was back in year 12. Like we were at a party one time and literally I brought her aside and I felt like she was going through some stuff. Right. And I just asked her like, what's going on? And she had that much trust in me where she just went in depth into her story of why, like why she's being depressed. Right. She was about to kill herself as well. And she's actually overcome that over time. And I'm so proud of her. Um, and like literally the thing that really solidified my opinion on helping people is I think it was about three weeks later, she messaged me and, and she was like, Yash, that conversation we had at that party has actually changed my life. And really? like, she was at the point of actually um, giving up. Do you know what I mean? So for me to actually come there and change her life, like it's giving me goosebumps right now. It's insane. That's, and when I get goosebumps, I know that it's actually something passionate yeah. and I actually believe in it. And, I, and it's something I love to do. And I don't get I don't get goosebumps on everything, and I'm sure all you guys like that as well. You only get goosebumps on the things that actually are meaningful in your life. Yeah. And I know for sure now, like that, when I get that goosebump, when I get emotional about something, that's my passion. That's mm. what I love to do, and I want to instill that mindset, and I want to help more people like that in the future. That's my goal, man. Yeah. Mm. So. And so and so you 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 get passionate. And I can tell from this conversation, you probably get passionate very frequently because there's a lot to be passionate about in life. And so is there a part of you that faces the frustration of trying to explain these passions and falling on deaf ears historically, like, you know, throughout every area of life? As in like trying to explain why I'm passionate about that to people that don't understand, is that what you're saying or... Yeah, just to, you know, passerbys. Do you ever get really amped up about an epiphany and try to go and tell somebody and they don't really? Oh. I need to use it. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> no, one, no, no one around me gets how I think. I, only a certain few people and the people that are listening to this now from my side, they know exactly who they are because that's who I, that's only who I talk to. I don't talk to any of my mates back from high school anymore, really, to be honest, because they... Uh, they haven't matured like I have, I feel like. And I don't want to get a big head and I don't want to sound like I'm getting a big head saying that. But yeah. I feel like I've developed faster and I feel like I've got a goal in mind and I have a future vision and they don't. So I don't waste my time explaining why I want to do something in the future to those type of people. I waste my, it's not even wasting now. I invest my time in people like you and my closest mates and actually spill my heart out to you and why I want to do this and ask for vision, ask for guidance. And that's the biggest thing is actually asking questions. We were, we were brought up in a stage of life in primary school and high school, where if we ask questions, you were frowned upon. Like you were, when you ask questions, you were brought down because you're supposed to know that answer and you're dumb and you're a failure if you fail. Whereas in real life, if you need to be able to ask questions and you never should be afraid of asking questions to people that are better than you. I only interact with people that are better than me. Mm-hmm. That's the only people I interact with. You, I know for sure you're better than me. That's why I interact with you because you're, you're on so much of a better level on an intellectual level. And I want to surround myself with those type of people. Mm-hmm. I surround myself with people that have created businesses. I network with, with new people and interact with new people. I don't waste my time on people that are negative thinking. 
not it's it's not worth it at all. And take it from me, I'm only 19, but I feel like I'm that mature that I know that for sure, and I don't waste my time with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, but 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 does that does that hurt, or has it hurt in the past in some ways? Yeah, yeah. Like I wish some of my mates understood me. Yeah, <laughs> I've been when I used to go to parties back in pri- in high school, primary school, in high school. All I did was explain this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, all I did was, oh my god, I'm so passionate about this. You know? listen to it. <laughs> I felt like in their eyes, they were just like, oh god, he goes Yash again. He's ranting. Like, what's that? They'll say he's ranting. Yes, yes. <laughs> How did you know? He's ranting again, yeah. But obviously, that's my passion. I didn't, I didn't understand that. So obviously, yeah, it hurt. Um, it hurt that my closest mates didn't understand me. It hurt that my sometimes even my mum doesn't understand me as much as I want to explain it to her. Yeah. She doesn't get it. So that's when you've got to have... Um, self-confidence in yourself mm. you've got to have self-confidence in your own abilities to trust yourself and again like we were saying before to envision it beforehand you need to be 100 percent certain that you believe in what you're doing and it doesn't matter what other people think if you cannot explain it to other people that doesn't matter if you believe in it 100 percent, you go out you go after it 100 percent. Mm-hmm. you get me yeah 100 percent, man <laughs> and uh, if there were variables that you could pinpoint because everything's a pattern man and as much as we've i feel as designers developed differently there is a reason why that has happened like if you look at the span of my life i can't be that genetically different from my brothers but we've branched out in so many different ways it's a diverse path you know, my oldest brother's in prison he'll be there to 2030 um wow. uh my other brother he graduated school with a double degree and um, he's a, he's often been a naval officer. Two younger brothers, they're yet to be determined. But um, you know that we, you know, I, we're not exactly the same, and it's because of different variables that in you know that yeah. influence that pattern from a young age. If you could you look, know the main thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt you, but I want to quickly intervene with a with a really important point. The main thing for me when I was growing up in high school that was how long? Oh, I'm 19 now, so I was six years ago. Probably when I was about 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Just got into high school, and I went to a school where um, we were one of the worst in Melbourne. And um, yeah, so I was very, very, very fortunate enough to surround myself with three very important people mm-hmm. instead of the bad people. And trust me, there were a lot of bad people when I was growing up and mm-hmm. when I was at school that I could have easily surrounded myself with. But I chose, and I was very fortunate and grateful that I chose these three people that really helped me stay away from them, others. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? So that's why it's it's so important. That's the, that's the one pattern in my life that really helped change the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I always think back, like if I just hang around with those other people yeah. that went out every single night, they did drugs, they had they drank alcohol every single like every single weekend like mm-hmm. imagine if i had just stuck around with those people instead of my people where yeah. i would have been in life i can i know for 100 percent sure i would not be talking to you right now yeah uh, and who uh, knows i could have i could have been i could have been oh, i don't even want to think about that part 
but like that's that's the one pattern in my life that really changed and i owe i owe everything to them to be honest because they they went there who knows mm-hmm. and uh was it has there been since the very beginning a lot of fear in your life maybe around you maybe something not not that you feel personally but have you have you grown up from fear yeah yeah like um back in primary school we actually my mum and I she raised me an only child on her own um and this is getting pretty personal <laughs> but we actually uh traveled to the United States to South Carolina I'm not too sure that's probably on the other side of LA on the uh east coast of America um I'm not from LA <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, I'm from Maryland though, so I, I, I've been to South Carolina. Oh yeah, but we were um, at that time in my life. We were thinking that we were going to be living in a South Carolina forever because Mum found someone over there, um, and we sold everything in Australia. We sold the car, we sold the furniture, um, the house, and we we're moving there forever. And obviously, that didn't work out. Um, so, like back then, I wasn't fearful because I knew no better. But I can just imagine what my mum would have been feeling like where she went over there, we lived a few months over there, acting like we were going to live forever. And then um, he turns around and goes, we don't want you anymore. And we literally had nowhere to go. Um, So my background is Turkish. So we went and travelled to my grandparents' house in Turkey for a year, lived there until we could figure out something back in Australia. Um, And then... After that, we came back to Australia. So I've experienced a lot of stuff in my life, but I wasn't mature enough, obviously, back when I was bloody seven or eight. That was when I was. That's when it happened. That um, I, I didn't know better, but obviously, Mum went through all that stuff on her own with me, trying to care for me. So yeah, I've been around fear. Um, I'm also very grateful that that fear is not as bad as what some other people have been through. But that's my unique experience, I feel like. Um, yeah. So that's, 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 a, that's quite a journey, man. So you're, you're saying that you, you – when's – do you remember the last time you seen your father? Or are you, are you, are you with him? Or are you, you know? Nah. Uh, my dad left us – when I wasn't even born. Um, so mum brought me up on her own and she's, she's the most powerful woman in the world and she's amazing. And that's, that's my biggest motivator right now is to serve her um, and do everything I can to, to give back to her for everything that she's been through. So uh, I think I've seen my dad around three, four times in my life. Right. Probably give or take. Um, don't even remember the last time I've seen him. But I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest. And that doesn't that doesn't really impact me a lot because I've lived my life and I've I was pretty much the man of the family for the entire time. You know what I mean? Mum's very fortunate for my mum to have found someone now. She's been with him for a few years now, and that's good. But yeah, I don't remember the last time I've seen him. But I owe everything to my mum. She was my mum and dad. <laughs> you get me? It's always amazing when a parent can pull it together like that. I've seen it, you know, coming from my community, obviously, a lot of times. And it's like, 
I never, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's funny because as a rule of thumb, almost as a principle of society, certain variables result in certain patterns. And the variable of having a single parent has historically, from what I've seen, resulted in a very negative pattern other than for two cases. One was, you know, uh, my homie here, and the other was you. But where 99% of cases, you know, uh, with this variable, 99% of patterns with this variable go awry. What do you, what, what, why are you different, man? Why, why, what makes you special? I'm not special, man. I'm like everyone else. But I just, I just had, <laughs> um, I just had an inkling that I knew that the traditional system wasn't for me. Mm. So that allowed me to mature at such an early age. Right. That allowed me to uh, venture outside of the box. Right. Uh, and educate myself in the ways that I want to be educated. And I feel like that's the main thing where a lot of people, they have trust in the system mm. where they shouldn't have. They need to take more initiative. Mm. Um, and I took a lot of initiative. I reached out to people and I asked questions. I kept on becoming curious about how to improve myself and how to get out of this situation. And even though I am grateful for where I am, I have a roof over my over my head, I have food on the table, I have a ton of books that I've been grateful enough to purchase over the time. But um, I feel like that's the main thing. I feel like the main thing is taking initiative for your own life mm. and um, making it your responsibility. Also, not blaming others mm. for your wrong your wrongdoings um because like your your life is your responsibility 100 percent um you can't be blaming your mom for that you can't be blaming your dad that never saw you you can't yeah. that's it's you may you the, the one quote that sticks around with me with this is you may be you may have been born into poverty but you cannot die being poor it's up to you so yeah, that, that, that brings that always comes into my mind whenever I think about it and that allows me to keep on grinding and right hoping for an end. A lot of these situations though, they you know, just historically has gone back and forth and, 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 and you know, if you took you know, through psychology you learn a lot about this nature versus nurture. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot personally myself, you know, um me and my friend, you know, despite our uh, circumstances a lot of people on our own block robbing home invasions you know some crazy stuff i just had a friend went to middle school with him died the other day another one just got a double murder in a hotel but you know you see you know our me and him we have the same personality type and that is basically the archetype of empathy and uh you're probably the same way but that is not to say that people can't shift and change personality types that is just to say that there's a trend here. Have you ever felt like, or do you have the battle of nature? This is in my nature, you know, based on, you know, a bunch of compositions that came together before I was born. Or do you think this was nurture? Do you think this was through to the, due to the variables that you've experienced after birth? You know, cause a lot of people have those same variables and they might not perceive them in the same light. Do you think nature had a role in it? Or do you think it's uh, just in all? I feel like it's, I feel like it's both, man. Like nature, obviously, we're brought up on a silver platter. So I've I've experienced. Um, I may not have experienced life like you have with those 
detrimental experiences, but like I've also experienced life in Australia where um, I've seen the, the the poverty areas in life and I've experienced that stuff. So some some rich kids they get brought up and they never experienced that stuff, and then yeah. shit hits the fan. They're like, "What the hell has just happened?" And they don't know how to get out of it. Whereas I've I've experienced that, and now the only way is up. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. the way I think. I don't think of the downfall. Um, so I feel like the nature part um, had a very big impact on my life. Yeah. I experienced that and that really changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if it's, if it's in your nature, you know, based on things that happened prior to birth in a, the way you've been, you know, compositioned as a person, what can you, what can you do for the people who it's in their nature to concede to life and be reactive? Take initiative. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that? You think you can convert the people uh, whose, whose identity is seated in concession? You can convert anyone. Anyone can be converted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just also about how much they want to. So you can only do so much, I feel like. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, if they don't want to change, they won't change. Right. You can give them the tools. You can give people um, the lessons in life, the strategies to try and convert their mindset. But at the end of the day, if they don't intrinsically believe in that, then it's up to them. Mm. You know what I mean? But I feel like um, I have, personally, I have run into a lot of friends that have been lost in their lives um, and I've provided meaning into that. Mm. I have shown them ways that they can, um, they can transform their life and use their strengths and build upon them. Mm-hmm. They may not have. They may not take my advice, um, but I have tried. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I feel like um, education is a main thing. Like in the traditional education system, uh, they don't produce kids that think individually. Right. That think uh, on their own. And I feel like that's a big major downfall of the of the system where they're not allowed opportunities to think for themselves. If they get something wrong, it's on them mm. and they're a failure, but they don't get the opportunity to learn from that. And that's what real life allows us to do. Now mm. that I've experienced real life, not in school, but real life, I've right. seen that um, fail is, failing is good. <laughs> 100%. You, we weren't we weren't brought up like that, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you were the same at school. Like we weren't brought up like that. Yeah. Well, like failing is bad. You can't fail. You're a failure if you fail. Yeah. Whereas in real life, if you fail, you learn from it and you get back up and you become better. Yeah. So, um, like we were saying a while a few days ago about that 18 to 22 year old range, I feel like that's the target range. Mm. to where you can actually impact someone's life because when they're when they're 18 and younger they haven't experienced life 
Mm-hmm. They haven't. They haven't experienced trying to go get a job, trying to live for your own. They, they may get kicked out of their house and trying to live for themselves. You know what I mean? They haven't experienced that stuff. Um, I know how that goes. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but, um, when they're 18 and older, they become more mature straight away because they're out of school. They, they've lost that structure in their life. They may choose to skip university and take that gap year, like we call it over in here in Australia. Um, and then they have a real meaningful part of their life to actually try to find themselves. Find themselves. They, just, they, they have that time to discover themselves like I did. When I was out of school the first year, I went and tried everything and anything. I went and built an eBay hustle. I went and did foreign exchange trading. I did, uh, I became a manager at my, at my work. I, I did all these different things and I tried to find my one true passion. And now that I'm the second year out of school, mm. I feel like I found that. And that passion of mine is to help the youth and help the young adults to try and discover themselves right? and to provide them with a structure they can use to actually conquer real life. Uh-huh. That, all the stuff that doesn't get taught at school. Right. Um, yeah, I went on a bit of a spiel there, but that's, <laughs> that's how I've come to my passion. That, that was actually my next question. You know, when you go out on the stage to high hopes, why are those people on the office? <laughs> and uh, I think we know a little bit about that now, but, you know, these people were turning 18 to 22. What are they missing? What do they need to know? Oh, man. See, that, that's the part where I'm still um, mm-hmm. thinking about and mapping out. Uh-huh. I know, I know inside me that right. I have something to give them. Mm-hmm. That, yet that hasn't come out. But I know that I can impact these people's lives. Because there's so many people that out there that are lost, that don't have structure, that don't have strategies to um, to pursue their their passions, to pursue their strengths. Like a lot of people go out there, they finish school and they're like, okay, I need money or I need to go study. Yeah, isn't that the main two things, right? So yeah. what if we created a system where it was the middle ground? You don't have to do that side. You don't have to go to university. You don't have to go to getting a full-time job. There was something else. Mm-hmm. And that was actually pursuing your passion full-time as if it is a university degree. Right. Um, so that's where I feel like I can get my main value out of. And that's how I think I can impact these people's lives for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for 100% sure that there are kids out there that are 18 and younger that don't fit in. For sure. They believe that, that they're alone, that they're lost, that they know that there's something better for them in life, but they just don't know what. And I know that for sure because that was like me. Mm-hmm. When I was 17, when I was 18, um, I knew that the traditional education system wasn't for me. I knew that I wanted more out of life. I knew... Um, and that's why I took the initiative to go and study the things I wanted to study. But some kids out there, they, they don't know that. They don't take that initiative and they need that little push in the back to go pursue that. They need that structure. 
You get what I mean? Right. And 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 what do you want for them ultimately? You know, I know they need a they need money and they need to study, but what what do you want, what do you envision for them at the end of their course? Not like literal. I want them to be in their path. Yeah. I want them to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like people go, and even older than us, there's 40, 50 year olds out there that still do it because they need to, because they put themselves in that position where if they get out of it, they won't be able to last in real life for two, three months mm-hmm. without a job. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I want to, I want to create a, the student to the position where they, they're fulfilled in their life. Right. They're able to create that passion, whatever it is, mm-hmm. if it's dancing, if it's, if it's business creating, if it's singing, whatever it is, their passion. And I want to provide them some type of structure in which they can go pursue that as a career, as a business and be fulfilled every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. That's what I want out of the end course. Can you explain like how, how a business is a conduit for fueling those passions like particularly the artistic ones what what, what structure would you propose for somebody who you know because i know you have a, um somebody in your life um that, that dances you know you think that's amazing what structure you would you propose for people whose ideas are around art or not even around art just in general like what what is you know you know what does business do for people with passion the main thing is um, that I have figured out so far is when you impact other people's lives, you grow yeah. individually mm-hmm. and it should not be about money. It cannot be about money. Yeah. The second it's about money, you're going to fail in the long term. Mm-hmm. And that's, that can be, that can, that trait right there can be contributed to anything that can be contributed to artistic levels of business Right. where they that artist of any type they go create content and they change people's lives that's their number one goal they impact people's lives in any way if it's a one-on-one coaching call like we're having now maybe or if it's a um i don't know a seminar mastermind anything a course they create right just even if it's nothing like that even if it's creating content and you know that you're different and you know you can impact people's lives mm-hmm. that's if you can, if you can, if I can create something or if we can even create something yeah. that allows that kid to know that there's a tangible result at the end of that course, that oh. they can use that passion of theirs to create something meaningful in people's lives and impact people's lives. I feel like my mission will be set. Right. At the moment though, I don't know what that is. And that's why I'm spending literally every single day to try and figure it out and trying to create some type of structure. And I'm always asking you questions as well, as you know, I'm sure. Yeah, but um, I feel like that's how they go and create that passion and how they turn it into something worthwhile. Mm. Um, you can go dance as a hobby, but right. I'm sure there's a lot of dancers in their hearts that have a full-time job and then off a field. And they wish that if they could just know how to do it or if they could just take that leap of faith, mm-hmm. imagine how fulfilled that would be. I know, man. Do you get what I mean? Like, they, 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 create, they have a full-time job because they need it, 
what if at the root when they turn 18 or when they're 16 we could create something that allows them to figure it out at an early age where they don't have to spend 10 15 20 years of their life in the traditional system where in when they're 40 they're like oh my god i wish i just took that leap uh, that's yeah. what i think of when i think of myself i think i cannot think like that <laughs> when i'm 40 if i think like that um it's a waste isn't it yeah yeah my coworkers, so. man, a lot of them my old coworkers, were twice some of them had been working there ever since before i was born i, I had a coworker named rick he had worked there since 1996 um wow. a long time but um man i was i was listening to your podcast um and you were talking with your dude, man, and you were talking about just future projections. It was in the 47-minute episode. And you said, yeah, and, um, you know, five years from now, we could be the heads of, I don't know if it was multimillion-dollar companies or multimillion-dollar movements. And then you paused for a second. He was like, but I understand at the same time we have to be realistic. And uh, I was just yeah. wondering, why did you not feel that it was realistic? Why did, like, what was, what was, what, what inside you made you feel like that you had to put that boundary on that statement? Oh man, I don't know. It, it just came out. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and people, I love people that aim for the stars. Yeah. Right. And that's what you need to do. But at the same time, when you aim for the stars, that becomes overwhelming. Yeah. For most people, mm-hmm. people go and say, okay, I want to create a multi-billion dollar business. <laughs> and then you go to them. Okay. So how are you going to start that? Right. What's the first step? What's the first step on the ladder to that, to that mission? Right. They're like, oh, um, oh yeah, I don't know. Mm. so that's why i feel like you should still keep it realistic but um, still aim for those stars right have a and that's where a lot of people don't know they don't have that structure they don't have um they don't know what they can do every single day to get there uh-huh. all these influencers online they say take a step in the right direction just take that step but some people don't know that step mm-hmm. i feel like that's where a lot of uh knowledge is lost as well where um, they have these big goals, they have these big projections for their lives, yeah. but they just don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what, what what particularly made you draw the line right there, though? What what about it was, um, you know, you look at a lot of movements, you know, like Click Funnels. I believe that went to a billion dollar valuation in five years. Uh, the fastest company to go to a billion dollar valuation was uh nine months. I think it was like jet.com or something like that. So, you know, it, it happens sometimes in reality, but what, what made you personally fit, you know, set, set the line right there. What about it was like daunting that you feel like you might not, you know, not have the resources to do that in five years. Oh man. Um, I guess I'm thinking when I said that I was, I was preaching about my own life. Yeah. And as much as I want to instill this mission into other people and uh, give them this advice and all that, I, I still haven't done it myself. Yeah. So I'll be honest that that task still seems 
overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. That's why, but I know that I am still a couple of chapters ahead of the people behind me. Yeah. Of the people that are just getting started. Um, and I know that it's more of a journey together. So we will grow together. That's kind of like, I wish I could create something like that um, for what I want to create where we both grow together. Uh-huh. Even though I haven't, I haven't made those million dollar businesses yet. Right. That's why I feel like I said, be realistic uh-huh. where, um, do you get what I mean? Absolutely. And then there's, then there's the other side where some people don't even want to create their multi-million dollar businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to hold them to that. Some people are fine working the nine to five and that's fine. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. understanding of people. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to understand where those people come from and you've got to understand their strengths and their weaknesses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about, it's not about me being understood. It's about understanding them. Oh man. Which is a main thing. Big topic. So if you can if you can understand what their troubles are in their life, what their passions are in their life, you can really cater to that in any way you can. They not that may not be creating a multi million dollar business, but that may be doing dancing. <laughs> Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so I don't I don't think I have a definitive definitive answer as to why I said be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that comes down to why that comes down to my own situation where I still believe that is a daunting task, Um, but I know that it is possible and that I am devoting every single day of my life to try and get to that mission step by step. Yeah, I I definitely know what you mean. I mean, I predict you'll, it's just my prediction. So what does that mean to anybody? I predict you'll be close in five years to a billion. I think so. Um, but I think that... What about, makes you say that? I'm thinking of a one-on-one right now. What because, makes you say that? Because I'm talking, I'm talking to you in the speed at which you're grasping concepts and taking them seriously is, for me in my personal life, unprecedented. And I think, I think there are a lot of, you know, walls that people place in front of... Uh, you know, you know, when they when they have a concept there in mind, there are a lot of beliefs that come with a concept that aren't really, you know, they aren't really laws of that concept. And so if the concept, for example, is revenue or money, you know, they might put like when people think of money and earning, uh the, the concept of that, uh, one of the beliefs that they tie into it is hard work, which honestly has nothing to do with it. You know, and another one is time limitation. You know, uh, now obviously you need time for in, in reality for action to take take place. But you know, the amount in which someone can earn, it, there's no barring of time on it. And I think you've been consuming ideas at such a rate and trying things at such a rate that you hit the point where you, you know, where you feel that way um very very quickly you know and you blow past that barrier and i think magical things happen it's like you know it took me till 23 to realize that you know the amount of money 
is the, you know, that you require for a product is arbitrary and fake. Like it's very fake, you know? Um, like, you know, I remember being nervous a few months ago to get on the phone and ask somebody for a thousand dollars for it. You know, I started with 10,000 word books and I was writing for $200. And then I remember getting on the phone and being scared to ask them for 10,000 words for a thousand dollars. Wow. Then I remember, I remember, you know, through finishing this recent order and it was 36 pages, like 16,000 words and it was $2,000. And throughout the entire process, all I could really you know, recognize in my mind was that, wow, I will never do that again because it, it, it really, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a fake, it, it's, it's a limitation that I'm, that I applied to myself that wasn't based in actuality. I feel like in most situations, and I, I can't prove this, but we'll see the results of this ideology in the coming months. I feel like I can get on that phone and say any number I want. And usually it'll be some sort of compliance depending on how you structure that deal. You know, when I say we, we had a, you know, a conversation, I don't know if this is on tape or not, but Grant Cardone was saying one of my biggest regrets is saying that I, you know, not going big fast. And I'm saying, I think I'll hit, I think you'll hit a strip because you're 19 at 20, at 21, really at 20, where you start going big very fast, you know, because, you know, at 19, I wasn't, I don't remember what I was doing at 19, but it wasn't this. <laughs> and like I said, I just think, I think you cross that line a lot, you'll cross that line a lot quicker than most people because you're picking up information quicker than most people. A lot of people mistake what intelligence quotient IQ means. They think yeah. IQ is the, you know, how much knowledge you have, but really it's, you know, the limit at which, you know, or the, really the rate at which you consume and take on new ideas and the rate yeah. at which you're consuming and taking on ideas and speaking is, you know, I think the, you know, the more you look around and the more you realize, especially at 19 and over the course of the next five years, that that rate is moving a lot quicker than some of the world's greatest CEOs that have what you want, not necessarily the revenue or the company, but the movements. I think you go past it really quickly. I think, I think it'll happen. You know, I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate those kind of words. Most definitely. Um, and like going to a point that you last said, um, about, about acquiring that knowledge quickly. I feel like, um, when I was doing all this stuff in school, when I was in that year 11, year 12, those final couple of years of high school, Mm -hmm. I wasn't absorbing this information Mm -hmm. because I was, getting limited by the education system. And that's obviously because I was still studying at school and yeah. also doing this on the side. But yeah. now that I left school, it's different. the last one or two years, I have absorbed so much information and I've grown so much as an individual. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I look back at myself when I just graduated and I was nowhere near this. And it's only, it's only been what? It's only been like a month, uh, not a month, a year, a year and a half maybe. Mm. And in that year and a half, I've grown so much. So I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward and I'm like, holy crap, in another three years, imagine what I can be. Um, yeah. and, and there's no limitation on that. You know, it, it, you know, if you ask me what five years from now is going to look like, the idea that I present is very bizarre. You know, and, you know, when you, and that's one thing that people don't know, regular people, is that when you move from having a job or having a schooling to not having anything and just narrowing your focus, 
you move quick. You move through oh, yeah. times insanely quick. You become a different individual. But yeah. the production I have of the future, if you ask me what's going to happen in five years, I'm going to be the rule of the world, to be honest. And, you know, not yeah, that's also awesome, not literally, <laughs> just, you know, but there are going to be some great things that are, you know, going to happen because there is not a, um, you know, we, we had the conversation earlier about, you know, people feeling like, oh, I'm safe because I have this job. And really, you're in DEFCON 5 at all the time. We have the conversations <laughs> every day about realism when the goals that we aspire to have already been done or, or defined as unrealistic have not only been done multiple times, but, you know, if we want to talk realism in this reality, it, like the, 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 the whole concept of realize, realism, when you really look at it, becomes a little bit surreal and bizarre in its own way, because it's like you look out and you stand on the top of the planet and you look out and you can look out forever like infinitely and that's not a realistic thing it's like infinite is a concept that is so abstract like it, it shouldn't exist in this world people in human life coming from you know uh, the common ancestor of a monkey and living on a planet where there's no other life forms in the entire universe and we're heated by a, a red flaming rock realism is just it really is just a bizarre thing that we you know that we place on ourselves i mean we got you know, laws of physics, you know, that define, like they try to define and limit what can go on in the world. And we have our own perception of what is real, but we have big masses of gravity that puncture holes in the universe itself. And it's like, I don't know, man, <laughs> like if we can puncture holes in the universe, man, we might be able to get to five, you know, a billion or further in terms, and that's just money is how you keep the score of your impact. We can probably get to a billion, yeah. especially if human beings have already done it multiple times. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you are one of those people that you look up to every day, you know? You are the Jeff Bezos. You are the Elon Musk. You, you are these people. So why not? You know? Why not? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just a strange way. To, I don't and know. I feel, like, I feel like I have put the limits on myself as well. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn... I need to tell myself, and this is to everyone that's listening as well, you need to tell yourself that you're better than that. And you can you can tell yourself that, but actually believing it is so much more stronger, so much more uh, meaningful. Like, recently I, I've been doubting myself. I've been doubting my abilities. I've always been asking questions and saying, can I really do this? Can I do this? Like, having this conversation with you now it's comes to the realization that i actually can and it's all about a mindset as well it's all about what you tell yourself like just like you said i can be the next jeff bezos why not you could literally why not you could be the first 100 trillion dollar company why not exactly so it's all the limitations you put on yourself and your own abilities you're stronger than you actually think and i feel like i am as well to myself i'm stronger than i actually think Mm -hmm. Uh, listening to you talk about how I am strong is just a totally different perspective. Cause I don't get that a lot. Um, and you will not get that a lot. <laughs> so yeah. everyone that's listening, you will not get that. Absolutely. You won't get people telling you like that. So that's when it comes a time where you need to believe in yourself and you need to believe in your abilities that you can actually accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. Right. You need to believe that 110%, you need to have that, 
self-confirmation in your mind. You need to envision, you need to envision that like Conor McGregor did, having those two belts. Yeah. He won that, he won that fight. He's literally like on the stage, I envisioned this. I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. He's a, he's a big, he's a big, uh, what's that word? Uh, he's a, he's big into visions. He's big into uh, thinking something and then making it a reality. Like a visionary? A visionary. That's the word I'm trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And it's crazy because you had Conor McGregor, man. I'm sure he thinks he's going to win a belt in every weight class. I'm sure he thinks oh, that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, I've, and I've, I've made these statements public because it's something I really believe in. Um, and I just want to display that belief, you know, uh, I think I can win a Grammy in every category. Why not? You know, why not, man? You know, obviously why not? I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the motivation to do that because, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it really is at the end of the day, like, okay, we can do things, but you know, what can we do for people? And, uh, yeah. I, I think in terms of belief, it re- my belief system changed a long time ago. I remember, man, I remember, in, uh, cause I'm a mass introvert. I remember thinking that being charismatic and being sociable was a genetic uh, pretext, you know, a preface, you know, you had to be born that way. And I remember, you know, watching a lot of Owen Cook. It was a lot of pickup videos on YouTube at the time. And I was watching that just to learn social dynamics as it was. And um, I remember the first time, which is actually five years ago with the girl I'm with, you know, approaching somebody from, you know, using the, the ideas that I was taught in these videos. And uh, it's interesting. You'll go up to a person and the results you get, whether they say no or yes, is based off something entirely invisible. It's based off self-belief and it's not based off anything else. And I think uh, a lot of variables in the real world, whether they're people or opportunities, respond in some of the same ways. You know, um, you just think that you can do things and they sort of happen. And, and that, that was a concept I learned on wrestling too. I lost a lot in wrestling because there has to be a balance or a duality. You know, you have to want what's in front of you better than anything. You have to have intent to yeah. capture that thing. But at the same time, you have to be detached from the outcome. It's a weird type of balance, but it's like, if you're not detached from the outcome, you have inhibitions. It's like, okay, I want this bad and I want this, but you're identified with the result of it. You're like, oh, I want this bad, but I'm scared to lose the result. Those inhibitions will, you know, it's like having your foot on the, you know, the the car pedal trying to drive forward and having your foot on the brake. Fear comes when you're attached to the outcome. When I got to a place where I could wrestle hard because I wanted to win, but whether the match went either way, I was detached from, and suddenly I could let that energy flow forward without the, you know, without associated with it. You know what I mean? That's the first time I've heard that. I learned it from Owen. Repeat repeat that again. Detached from the outcome. Yeah, you have to have intent on, you know, you have to have intent in in what you want to accomplish, but you have to be attached from the outcome of it all. I think that's when you really hit, you know, flow states. And uh, So kind of like having... um, kind of like trusting the process and enjoying the journey. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's in a, in a way it's like, that. I mean, it's hard to explain. I, I can, like I said, I learned it from Owen Cook and I'm not explaining it the way he did, but you know, it, cause it seems like an oxymoron the way I'm saying it, but it, it's just, you, you know what you want and you're going for what you want. 
but you're I don't know you're just comfortable with 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 the rewards of uh what will come out of that the rewards or the pitfalls that will come out of that you know it's like um this journey that we're on now you go for things every day you go for things you have an intent you focus on business but you've never stopped and think you know and you've never obsessed over the result of what would happen or you didn't get that or, or you know of your you know, of your ad campaign oh uh, yeah all you know you just kind of went for it you didn't let that those inhibitions yeah. those fears of punishment of loss you know affect you you know I'll get you now want things very badly but then there's the feeling also of being scared of losing those things and it's just you kind of freeze up you do nothing you know yeah and you can't let that happen yeah you can't let that happen because um it's inevitable that you're going to fail <laughs> you know it's honestly inevitable. honestly so you can't you can't bust yourself over that mm-hmm. like you're saying you can't that the outcome may be failure but you can't deliberate over that fact forever you need to actually put your foot down and just take that first step whatever that is take that first step in the direction that you think is going to go mm-hmm. to that journey to that to that outcome yeah but just go do it what's oh. stopping you literally why not yeah, I learned that lesson hard as a young guy, man. I was trying to jump over this gate at the zoo. It was this little wooden gate. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for some reason, I went to jump over the little wooden gate. And I was very scared of, my, what was at the forefront of my mind was, you know, the result of the matter, you know, uh, me falling in, things like that. And I fell and I hit my head. But I got back up and, you know, I just thought, man, okay, regardless of whether I'm going to trip or make it, I'm going to. My, my full intention is going to be on, let's just do this. And I made it over the second time. It was a little stupid thing, you know, as we were leaving the zoo, but that always stuck with me in reference to those types of things. <laughs> That's good, man. That's awesome. But, <laughs> <laughs> but also another way to think about it uh, is um, you, you're saying just put your foot down and go on that journey and uh, no matter what happens, go do it. Yeah. But then there's the other side where – you're that visionary you're that conor mcgregor and you're you're visioning that outcome so that kind of contradicts that point doesn't it that, mm-hmm. that's conor mcgregor is all about i am going to go on on that octagon mm-hmm. with those two belts upon my shoulders and right. i'm gonna have that flag right. on my back and i'm and i he literally envisioned that uh-huh. moment day yeah. in and day out in his head that's mm-hmm. what he's been saying you know what I mean? So that that point that you said kind of contradicts that. So yeah. what do you think about that? Mm. Uh, which 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 facet of it? I think more so what it is saying is like, I mean, how do I even put that? You envision and you have full intention on where you're going. Yeah. But in proceeding, I think it's more so about like you said, being lost in the movement. But what you're saying is it's contradicting the idea of seeing yourself doing it already and yeah. seeing those moments happen. Um, I think it's more of a statement in, you know, in the action, when you proceed with the action, because all day, every day, you know, I would visualize myself winning a match. But when I'm in a match, I'm not visualizing myself winning that match. I'm not, gotcha. I'm gotcha. not I'm present, you know. You know, when you're, yeah, when, you're yeah. when you're looking at a task, you're you know you're preconceiving what it can be. But when you go into an action, you're present to that yeah. action, not present to what may result. You're well just said. you're putting all your energy and your, all your effort into doing what it is 
and flowing with the moment, you know, if you're wrestling, but you're not thinking, what if I lose or what if I win this match? Yeah, man. Match, yeah, okay. That, that's a better way to explain it, you know. 100%. But, um, but before the action, before the, you know, before you, when you, when you, when you take, you, know, you go home and you look over the journey, you gotta, you do, should, you should, you know. Envision that outcome. Yeah, envision the outcome. And I think that's important. But, uh, what do you, what do you think about, what do you hate right now? And I hate to use that word because it's so negative. What do you dislike about <laughs> the red oceans uh, around your opportunity? You know, you're in this business thing and everybody's chatting about business. Um, you know, there are some people even in your domain who, you know, want to change the way people think. And even in some of the school systems, what do you dislike about some of the opportunities that are already present in the world? Good honor. What does that mean? I feel like oh, I feel like about that situation. Um, there's there's so many opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. So let them go after theirs. You yeah. just concentrate on yours. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember who said it, but I remember this very successful person said, it, "Just just focus on your journey. Focus on your task." And do not worry about what's out there. What else is out there? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes red oceans are good opportunities. Sometimes blue oceans are good opportunities. Who knows? Sometimes going into a niche and creating that niche is a great opportunity. Sometimes going into an overpopulated niche is a great opportunity. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's just all about how you believe in your mission, no matter what ocean it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It's tough. It's tough because there's so many, there's so many courses. There's so many, there are, man. There's so many opportunities out there where most of them at the end of the day are just bullshit. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you find a, you know, a video of mine from the past, you know, it, I ain't saying nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I released some bad stuff, but yeah, what were you saying? I guess you got to go through that though, but it's um, it's just the fact of going back to your first point and the question you asked, what's bad about it? The bad thing about it is that most people out there, most normal people that want this type of content, yeah, have it already set in their mind that it's crap uh-huh. because of what's already out there, I feel like. Does that make sense? So they've experienced that much utter crap Right. That they come up to your opportunity and they're like, okay, here we go, another one. So yeah. that's that's the thing I want to avoid. No matter what ocean I am in, I don't want to be like that person that's right. um, overindulging in their lavish mansions and their multi-million dollar cars and stuff like that. Right. I don't want to be another one of those. <laughs> I want to be straight to the point, providing providing value and impacting lives no matter what. And I want people to see that through my passion. Mm-hmm. I don't like that's, that's where I differentiate myself with the other people out there. I feel like is that I'm mature for my age and that I know somehow I can impact their lives for the better. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but uh-huh. I know I'm on the right path to do so. And Nothing's gonna stop me on that, right? Does that what make sense? Does that answer your question? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Um, what do you think the world looks like when you when you die? I mean, you know, not, not your world, but the actual world. What do you think? What we do you will. Think like when all is done. Well, that's deep, man. What do you think you feel like? <laughs> I've never thought of that. Oh, I hope that people are more initiative mm-hmm. and they don't overindulge on what the media is saying and live their lives based on that like we're seeing right. today. But on the current trajectory, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. People will get influenced by the media every single day yeah. for the negative, for the, for the wrong reasons. Um, that's because the negative sells and positive doesn't. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. But I've never really thought of how the world's going to be when I when I die. When that's when that going to be? Like another, hopefully another hundred years. <laughs> I don't never have to die. You know. <laughs> Which I'm, what do you think, man? Uh, for my for my own personal journey, or 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 for your journey. I'd love to hear both. I'd love to hear your journey first. Man, um, when I die, I mean, I already thought about this, but. When I die, man, the world's not going to have any borders, man. Um, there'll be no borders, and and there'll be no. That's a great. That's great. Know, but that'll be a result of people changing how they are internally. And what I mean by that is, I say this all the time. You know, what I call it is the grand design. And what the grand design is is a world that's being created when all our minds, like you and me and everybody else you know, have that ability because you've lent it to them to create and design the world to their max desire and have mass movements that follow along with them. Um, In the real world, we have hierarchies internally. We have in-groups internally. It's like, uh, and and, and it creates a lot of headbutting, you know what I mean? So the in-group, for example, would be like, okay, I'm black and Another in group would be like, okay, I'm black and I'm in this gang over here. And the problem I think with the world is that those hierarchies are structured incorrectly. What's at the top of the hierarchy is I'm black and I'm in this gang. When what should be at the top of the hierarchy is I'm a human being. And you'll see in times of pandemics, because it is possible to revert, you know, change that hierarchy around, like maybe aliens come down here. You know, suddenly the identity is human goes to the top of hierarchy and it stops mattering. Okay, he's black, he's white, he's he's this religion, he's in this country, whatever. So my entire mission with my life is to restructure that hierarchy. So even in normal, average, everyday situations, instead of thinking, okay, I'm in a gang and he's in this gang, the first thing you see from people is, okay, we're both human, humanity. That's the first thing that comes up, just like in a pandemic, just like in a mass mass emergency when you know there's a person that's from a different gang or a different color or a different group or a different country and you don't mind their help because you're both people and what i call that is the universal identity i want everybody to identify first and foremost in those hierarchies in their life as humans and so you know just like you know there might be a little tension between black people and cops you know, in a pandemic, when you identify as human first and foremost, that tension is kind of erased. And it's like, okay, we're going to help each other. And I call that the the universal identity. And I think if we can reach that universal identity, and everything comes behind the human identity at all times, 
then there is no need for borders and separation because, you know, that's just so that, that identity comes after humanity. It's like, it's not like, okay, I'm American, he's Russian. It's like, okay, we're both human, boom. Even though he's American and he's Russian, we do recognize that humanity comes first. And so there's a un, you know, an overall unity. And when we have that uni- unity, you know, we can have certain factions, you know, perform at their highest. Imagine if every, if, if all humans were unified, you know, under that human umbrella, and that was the top of the hierarchy of how they identified. As we moved in that way as a mass, same way we would if we were all to arm our nations against an alien threat. If we were mo- to move in that, you know, in that mass as human humanity, how quickly could we solve problems in the world around us? Like if we all moved as a mass to, you know, change, you know, change the, you know, to, you know, combat climate change, but you know, whereas there are, you know, um, you know, we, there there are different issues that we might face. You know, this is the grand design. You know, when we when all minds come together, um, we we come to like it's like there are different factions, like there are different industries, okay. And at the head of each industry, because not everybody has the same mind to design society. At the head of in, in each industry, there are designers. You know, and what the designers do is just like you and I, and just like the modern day business people, they design that industry. They take their mind and they, 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 they use what we know to create mass movements within that industry and push that industry in the right way. And so if we have a designer of the automobile industry or the, a designer of the, the climate industry, but all humanity is performing as a mass and we can shift, you know, our, you know, our, our movements to each each designer to follow each designer when necessary we could be so much more efficient at solving the problems that we face every day and uh i don't think we're you know very far away from this you know this 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 reality because it's like you know i realized with the coronavirus that the spread of ideas happens instantaneously the spread of ideas does not require time because in order to spread ideas in business what you need is the dream 100 you need distribution channels you go on, yeah. Q, on Shark Tank, you're trying to sell clothes, you go to Damon John because he's a distribution channel that sells clothes. Same way, the idea of the coronavirus somehow tapped into the global distribution channel. And that idea, the idea of fear was spread around the world in an instant because all these distribution channels came together and tapped in to spread this message. You know, the news stations captain, Ben sent me an email. The movie theater sent me an email. That distribution channel to spread ideas throughout the world in mass, it already exists because they did it for this virus. Now, if we can all come together as under one identity and we can spread out, we can use that distribution channel as a unit and spread these ideas throughout society, the ones that actually matter and not ones of fear and plague and panic and all these things, how much change could we enact in a day? Oh, you know, crazy. Empowering different minds. And when I say a designer, I say designer because our jobs, man, people misconstrue it all the time. But our only job is to empathize with people. And in empathizing with people, you understand them and you understand what they want. And then you're able to collaborate with people. And so our only job is to empathize with people so you can collaborate with them and assemble the right people around a vision. My job and my business, if you want to call it that, it's not really much of a business yet. It's not to write. It's not to do the interviews. It's not to run the marketing campaigns. It's to assemble the right people who can get this job done. 
is to design the right opportunity to get this job done. Find the right people and assemble them around the vision. And, and, and that's all design is about. You know, if we have designers in automobiles and designers in climate, design, designers in this industry, it only takes a handful of people to change the entire world, I think. But um, we'll see. I, I don't. I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see borders. I think we, we, you know, the the grand design looks like if we're talking about like actual look like it looks like what we thought the future looked like, what we thought twenty twenty looked like. These buildings behind me, as beautiful as they are, they're very outdated. And we could perform at such a crazy rate. The city that I come from, Baltimore, Maryland, man, we can revolutionize that today. You know, it's it's no reason we don't have waterways like Italy. It's no reason why well, I don't I don't know if floating cars are necessary possible, but it's no reason like people like Elon Musk. How does he run so many businesses? Because he he's a designer. He says this is the vision. I'll assemble these people around my vision. Me personally, I know the vision. I'll assemble the right people around the vision, even if that means. I'm not the CEO of that vision. I can be the owner of that company, but I just need to find the right CEO and the right people to enact it. And so he can run a SpaceX. He can run a Tesla. He can run a, a solar city. And he's not stretching himself out because all he does is assemble people around a vision. And that's all designers do. He just designs the concepts. Yeah, you know, you design the vision, you design the concept, which is what designers do. You just assemble the people around it. And, uh, He's living proof of what one human being can do, you yeah. know, one designer can do. You know, imagine if we taught a lot of people how to make mass movies and do it the way he could do it. And that's what the Grand Design podcast is really all about. That's you know, beautiful, man. How to get mass movements from their head into reality by assembling people around a vision, um, which is what a mass movement is. It's kind of redundant to me to say, but, um, and I think, you know, you asked me what, 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 what the world, I think the world will look like when you die. Um, ironically enough, I think these visions are one and the same. I think they're one and the same because it's like, in order to enact mass change, you kind of have to start at the roots of everything. And so if you start at the age bracket of 15 or 14, rather to 17, 13 to 17 with pure content, pure free content, because they can't buy anything and you build up within them, you know, a desire to be a part of these these endeavors and then you send them into a four-year program you know that four-year program could be the thing that you know uh, that creates these people who will design the world eventually and so i think the vision is one and the same i think we all integrate towards i agree beautiful you know i, know I agree that, that concept at the start when you were talking about that um did not seem clear but yeah. as you as you, you explained that beautifully, you explained that really well. And that actually, um, I understand that so much now. And yeah, I agree with it. I agree with it 100%. What's that? So you can tell I'm still working over the idea and, and, and how, to, how to really articulate it, right? But, you know, that's what the podcast is for. Let's to, to test our message and see what is received. Uh, see the reception, yeah. you know. But, um. I don't know. What do you What do you think, man? What do you even in terms of physical looks, man? Like, what do you think you you'll contribute to the, you know this whole thing? You know, the designs we have are obsolete. We just got electric cars, man. We just got that. You know, even though Tesla was started in two thousand five, they just became popular. Amazing. Far out. Yeah, that's amazing how it started so long ago. Now look at it. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, man. Like I said before, I don't think of 
the future much. And I feel like I should now that I speak with you because um, it's not the fact that I don't think of my future. I feel like I think of my future a lot. I just don't think of the future broadly, mm. if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, speaking with you, I feel like I really should start looking more into that fact. Um, I don't know. I, it's it, it's going to be very interesting and it's going to be more techno, technologically sound. It's going to be, I really hope your vision comes to twi- fruition and I know it will with okay. you behind it. That's insane. Oh. Um, using those avenues to create such a mass movement. Mm. And the main thing behind what, what you said there was creating a positive message. Imagine if we could use those avenues like we have with this stupid epidemic yeah. and create positive vibes out there. Yeah. You can't escape posit- Sorry? You can't escape the message or the idea of the coronavirus. You can't escape it, no matter how hard you Oh, trying. man, it's stupid. I hate it. Everywhere I go, literally every single where I go, I hear about it and I hate oh, it. I get headaches from it. That's insane. Yeah. But, you know. Imagine if we could use that same same mission, that same goal, and use it for a positive message. You know, honestly, and if I want to simplify, you know, everything I said was visions, you know, and it, it, it is our job, man. It is our job to make our visions for the future as tall task, as, as bizarre as possible, because that'll force us to get, you know, what we need to do. You know, it'll force us to go very hard for our visions. Like Elon Musk, like, oh man, we're going to send people to Mars. People are like, what? It has to be that way. Or you, when you aspire to those limits, you know, you're going to get you're going to get something that's you know that was unprecedented altogether. But if I wanted to simplify the message, the only message with that entire hierarchy thing and human humanity being at the top of the hierarchy instead of these other in groups, the only message that I think it all boils just down to one thing: just empathy. The world is going to be more empathetic when I die. That's all. People, people, because we, I've spent so long in a, in a competitive mindset. You know, I was building businesses for a long time with the idea of, okay, I want to build this business and I'm doing it all by myself because I want to be the one to build it. I want to love the glory and the credit from building this business. I'm building a movement to support a lifestyle that I envision of luxury versus, okay, now I can build this business because, you know, because I empathize with the society around me and I realize this is the most optimal collaboration for all of us. You know, before I was like, okay, the writers will get paid, let's say 20%, you know, uh, so I can reap, you know, the benefits of that entire project, the, the, the cash of that entire project. But you realize, man, if you, it'll never work that way. And that's why I failed for so long. When you realize the core of everything is empathizing, understanding, okay, this person has their own wants, desires, needs, and dreams. And if you assemble them and collaborate with them on this vision the right way, we can all reach that. Things change. If I say, okay, I'm going to boost my price up to 10 grand and this writer can take six grand and this interviewer can take three grand and I'll just use one grand to further promote this business. Even if I take nothing out of it, if I be the rising tide, if I become the rising tide that raises all ships and everyone comes on to this collaboration and everyone is raised through it, you know, uh, the impact that we can churn out through these businesses, these vehicles for impact becomes so much more insanely ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
and, you, yeah, and you'll be fulfilled. Yeah, 100%. At, at the end of that, you'll be fulfilled and you'll believe that your mission was, is done. Yeah. If, if you don't take anything out of it, and that's beautiful. That's, uh, 100%, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, and I don't I don't mean to rant. I know people probably could be in a conversation like, man, because, you know, Vlad TV, man, what Vlad does on Vlad TV, like he'll ask a question and then he'll, like, talk about his side and, like, I know people are going to probably comment that if, if you know, if people ever get to comment on that, but, you know, you just hit passionate zones and you just rant sometimes. So you, you know how it is. Yeah, 100%, because you, you're passionate about it. Yeah. And obviously you can you can tell that in your tone and your in your voice that you're passionate about it, and that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, what, what are you thinking about, man? What are you thinking about? Right now, right now in my current life, um, I'm thinking about starting this, these businesses and actually impacting lives. That's the only thing that's running through my head. Mm. Every single minute of my life <laughs> is writing down in this journal, reading books, trying to create new ideas, trying to develop. And that's why I go to you all the time, man. I always yeah, message you. And, and that one message you said that few days ago, that really changed my outlook on it. Um, instead of targeting 14 to 18 year olds target the 18 and 22 year olds like that changed my whole perspective on my whole mission just mm. your input on it um also where i'm at is i've bought a couple of courses that's cost me quite a lot of money but i know that it will bring me to my goal um and it will allow me to acquire more knowledge to get there uh, I bought Tony Robbins' course, right. The Knowledge Broker Blueprint. Mm-hmm. And that course pretty much outlines how you can create a mass movement and turn it into a mastermind, right. turn it into a workshop. Um, and then, like, we, even when I was, like, 16, 17, I was envisioning myself creating a mastermind and going onto that stage. And, like, Ooh. ever since a young age, I was like that. So yeah. I, I literally... It's one step at a time, but I cannot wait until I get on that stage and I just the goosebumps flow. Like yeah. I'm impacting all these people's lives. They're 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 loving me for who I am, and I don't have to change for absolutely no one. Like right. that that stuff that always constantly runs through my mind, and that's where I'm at right now. I just um I feel like going back to your past point is. Right now, right. I'm on the borderline of I'm on the on the fence where on one side of the fence is I'm visioning the future. On the other side of the fence is I need to just take action and go for it. And now that I've had this conversation with you, I feel like I need to be on this side of the fence more, taking that action and just going for it. Because yeah, you can think about it. You can think about it all you want, but if you don't take action on it, you're not gonna get there. And going back to my going back to your final point your last point um, about me saying be realistic, I feel like that ties in with that as well. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people that have these big goals, they just right. don't take the action to get there. Yeah. So um, I feel like that's where I need to change up my whole perspective. Um, and I hope the people listening to this tie in with that as well, is that you just need to start to take action any any means possible. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like be, yeah. Think of the think of the passion. Think of the goal at the end of the at the end of the bridge. 
but do anything possible. Just take that first step. Ask questions to people that are better than you. Um, take initiative in your own success and stop blaming others. That's where I feel like the principles lay. Mm. Yeah, uh, most definitely, man. That's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah, that like I'm just so keen to start something like this. I'm. Yeah, the hype, man. I'm at the point. I'm at the point where I want to create a structure. I want to create a program to help these people. Mm. And then I just want to start building this mastermind and, and just developing, man. That's, that's, and I know, I know you know that of me as well, because I, I always constantly, constantly ask you these questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a rare quality, by the way, people who ask things and, and, and go out in the world and try to understand things and, and, and perpetually, you know, um, that's such a rare trait, and it, you you you've got it. You've got a golden zone about you, because a lot of people who are like you, with minds like you, they are stopped by really like introversion, you know. And so the ability to really flow in social situations and being them constantly, being them perpetually, like, is is a really big thing, you know. I think it'll be a a, a very it'll be a defining point you know, in these times to come. But like you're saying, at the same time, I really also believe that, you know, planning is a powerful thing, but certain lessons can only be derived from actions, like you're saying, and and from failure. You know, certain epiphanies hit different, you know, uh, when you tell yourself the story of how you got to that failure, other than, you know, rather than internalizing, you know, the knowledge that you might have learned from somewhere else. Um. You know, it's a, it's a lot of things that, you know, like for me to fail over and over and over and over and over and over again, um, I really just recently came to the point because of the exhaustion of every other idea that like Russell Brunson is saying, the dream 100 is essential, it's necessary, you know, and even through failure, failing over and over and over and over again, like you can't get the rewards that you want out of life or out of a situation without that failure, because the failure is going to teach you a hidden message. You have yeah. to become a refined enough person through the process of failing to be deserving of that, which you want. You know, my hidden message was I'm in a competitive mindset and I need to be in a collaborative mindset. And it wasn't until failing over and over and over again in this one area of my life and looking around like, okay, well, you have a place to live, you have a place to eat, you know, you have all these other things, you're succeeding in other areas, why are you succeeding in other, all those other areas of life? And you look around, you realize, okay, I'm trying to be the superstar of this business, I'm trying to be the only person in this opportunity, I'm trying to get all the love, the glory and credit and say, I did it all on my own. But you look over here, your parents were at one point taking care of you, or maybe your girlfriend contributed to this, or maybe her mother contributed to this, and you realize, okay, you're collaborating in every other area. You never did it on your own. You succeeded and you had to be humiliated and failed time after time after time after time to get that lesson of humility, to get that lesson that other people were necessary for this to happen. You know, failure produces, uh, I think, a lot of epiphanies that we might not come to on our own. And so, that's one of your your, your four keys in that way. I think mass action is is instrumental you know when it's yeah can i ask a personal question um how do you think i can influence people to instill my mindset 
because you said a lot of people with my mindset get stopped in the road because they stop asking questions. They stop being creative. They stop being initiative, like having initiative. How can I, how can I help people to become more like me? I'm not, I'm not no special person, mm-hmm. but I, I know I do have a mindset that not a lot of people my age do have. Yeah. So I want to try and help people to get to that stage of um, that. Does that make sense? How would you go about that? Um, I, I think following like the blueprint of the expert secrets book, like it, it become, like, it's clear to me at this point, you know, I, I remember listening to Stephen Larson and he said, you know, there are three identities in a red ocean. You know, there are the diehard fans of that red ocean. Uh, there are the people that are indifferent to that red ocean. And then there are people that hate the opportunity that a red ocean presents, but they have nothing else to do. Like people before ClickFunnels, there were people who loved using websites. There were people who didn't care about websites. And then there were people who hated websites, but just didn't have an alternative until ClickFunnels was made. And just, mm-hmm. just to like to that, you know, this entire movement that you're formulating, people's mindsets, society is a red ocean. The current education system is a red ocean. You said in your podcast that, you know, asking people to succeed in current education system is like asking a fish to climb a tree. Well, I think the fish are the people in the red ocean that hate that opportunity, but don't have anything different. And everyone else, the majority of people just happen to be squirrels and that's okay. But I think if you really identify the fish and you call them with your mass movie, you say, okay, I've been through this. This is my story. So that's, I'm the leader and the attractive character in this movie because I, I, I relate to you, you know, me, you and I, we know these people's story to a T. We know the isolation. We know the frustration with the system. We know wanting more. So the story is already there. The origin story is already there. You have the attractive character. Then you just have the future based cause. Okay. Well, I want, you know, a new, you know, I, I want, uh, to make a future where people like us can express these ideas and these identities that we have. And then you have the new identity, which is your member, I mean, the new opportunity, which is your membership um, that you can bring these people to instead of them going to a four-year university. And then for the people who are at the four-year university, there's plenty of people who are there just because their parents want them to be. For them, you hit them with the opportunity switch. And mm. you know that's where you just, okay, you're in this opportunity, but you don't like it, come to this one. And uh, that's, I think, the first four chapters of the Expert Secrets book. And yeah. I, I think just using that as a guide is, um, is, is, oh, is it's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think that's that. I think that would be, I think that would be fairly simple, just to really create, you know, a bare minimum, you know, um, just a bare minimum type of membership ordeal, just just to begin with, with all these ideas that you have with all these teachings that you have that these people or just just a, a, a like a four-year program that is you know instead of climbing the tree for the fish that is water you know what are the steps necessary to you know be succeeding your entrepreneurial endeavors and it, i think a lot of it should just be focused on because you really don't have to teach these people anything you just really have to give them like you know hold them accountable and keep them on a path and let them develop through trial and error and uh, direct them really to the right resources that are already out there. Because you and I, we've learned 
from resources that were already available. It would just need to be a collection of these resources rather than a collection of these actual people um, organized in a particular type of way. But, um, you know, I think everything's set up, you know, every, everything's, you know, you already have the enemy, you know, you, you know, like the five um, parts of uh, five, one sentence persuasion, you know, you already know how to encourage their dreams. You already know how to allay their fears and justify their failures. Okay, you're a fish trying to climb a tree. You justify their fears. You already know how to confirm their suspicions because they are real. People in society they've experienced are trying to crush them into one mainstream way of doing it. That's historically true. You know, you have all these elements combined. I think just organizing them in a real, 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 real simple way. I think that would be helpful. And um, I don't know. Does that is is does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, no, that makes sense at all. That makes sense, definitely. Um, the one th- at the moment, the one thing that's troubling me in creating this uh, membership program or this structure is how I can actually fill it. And you did say um, you don't have, you don't really have to teach these people. You just have to provide them with the resources instead. Um, but I'd love to create some type of structure where uh, they go through my program quote unquote or uh my mastermind or whatever the case may be right instead of the university system but uh for one i don't think i have the experience Mm. to provide them with that but i don't think that does matter um because i have a unique ability i feel like and i know i can change people's lives so i don't think the i think experience is a widely used term that doesn't matter much much anymore in the fact actually no it does matter it's just how you can struck how you can use what you currently know to impact people's lives does that make sense to the ability to know that i am a couple of chapters ahead of my current target audience is all that really matters Mm -hmm. um but back to the fact of like trying to create a structure uh like i wouldn't know how to fill that four-year program but I guess then I'm thinking that thinking, that thought process is too overwhelming. Uh, maybe I should start with a one year program and then develop on that. Or maybe I should start with a one month program and then develop on that. But what, what are your thoughts regarding that structure? Mm. Well, uh, really, you know, the, the suggestion that you didn't have to, you know, you just have to direct them to the content. You don't need people. That's just a bare bone structure, you know, like, uh, you ideally want to work up to where you have people on board. But like you're saying, uh, just anything to start out is a good idea. You know, anything to start out and to start long-term with this idea, like start really uh, with your pre-indoctrination sequences with the young people and build up an excitement in a culture of people who can't wait to turn 18 to join this opportunity. And, uh, you know, there's never, and, and this is one of the things I've come across as a, as a result of failing over and over again in watching people in society. There's never a lack of resources. There's only a lack of creativity. And I think the most creative way to get around some of the issues that we might be facing with, you know, that you'll eventually face with this program is to always come back and realize that when it, when, within this arena that we play, empathy is all that matters. And when you empathize, think of the people that you need to fill this course up or to fill this college up. You need these people to just empathize with them. What do they need? And then when you empathize, when you understand crystal clearly what they need, 
then you can move to a phase of collaborating with them in a way that makes sense. So these guys are going to be 15, 16, 17, already knowing that they want to join this program at 18. They're already yeah. the cost of the program and all that, you know, maybe it could, it could be a, a small membership fee and, you know, you don't really need cash up front for these guys that you want to recruit. You just need to be able to get them on board. And uh, how do you, you know, you empathize with them. What do they want? Then get creative in, in how you'll collaborate on this vision. All we'll ever do as designers is have a vision. We'll design a vision, design a concept like this concept that you have. And then you just plug in the pieces by empathizing with people and giving them their best collaboration. Maybe some people see, hey, this is a nice program. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, you, you'll, you'll have a crop of people already coming into the program. And then you'll say, hey, I'll just give you a percentage of this deal. You know, everybody who takes your courses, you know, you'll get or you'll get 20 percent of the overall. You'll get equity. Um you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to, because this is also beneficial to our students. We believe in your message. This is a breeding ground because we control all this traffic coming into this program to advertise what you already sell. And so mm -hmm. people that are coming into programs, you know, think about what they want. They want to sell their programs. They want to build their business. You have a whole host of traffic and of people that are, that grew up excited about this program and they want to come about, come into this program and then suddenly learn about him or learn about her or learn about him. And, uh, if you can structure and articulate the deals and plug in the pieces to this vision, um, I, I think things things work really well that way. Um, yeah, know. see, ever since I talk, I spoke with you, I never thought of that way um, of cre of bringing in uh, successful people, bringing in mentors that can teach these these young people, and that like that that was a an open mind experience for me. I never, I never thought of that aspect of, of this uh, mission. Um, but I guess to, to get to that point, you need to start somewhere, obviously. So um, to start with, I feel like I can offer the value myself mm -hmm. um, and maybe, maybe uh, interact with someone like you or interact with someone, other people that I know mm -hmm. Um but really start influencing. I feel like the root of that is start influencing these young kids now. Mm. So when this program does get up and about, right. they turn 18 and they start wanting to, to sign up with us. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it's, again, it's all about allaying with their fears and aligning with their failures and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But again, coming to that last point that you made about red oceans, there's so much of that stuff already. Mm -hmm. So it's again about trying to differentiate yourself within that red ocean right. and striking right into the hearts of those young kids mm -hmm. to the point where they become diehard fans of your, of your creation, of your movement where they cannot wait to turn 18. That's, like you said, that's the ideal outcome out of this, is they cannot wait to turn 18 and they may sign up to whatever you have. Mm. And that comes from um, building trust with them. That comes from building an audience like the ATM and then obviously the monetization at the end of that. Mm. But that's not the important part. The important part is the AT, the audience 
having that audience of young kids and then building that trust within that within those kids by laying with their fears. Um, yeah. But what do you think is a way to differentiate this movement from everything else that's out there, like Gary Vee, for instance, and Grant Cardone, like a lot of kids listen to this stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. What do you think? I mean, I think, you know, it's just about considering what you, what you, what your real end goal is, you know, because every, you know, everything is aligned within that first four chapters of the expert secrets. And if you really look at it, there are children that are turning 18 and they love Grant Cardone and they're going to follow Grant Cardone's ways. They're probably not going to choose traditional education. Same way traditional education is a red ocean and you're targeting the people that are, you, you the people who already love and are hardcore fans of college, you're targeting the people who hate that opportunity, but don't have alternatives. Okay. Yeah. So when you go to, to, to the Grant Cardone's, he's just a red ocean. Everybody's just a red ocean and you're targeting the people of their movements who don't like that opportunity, who, who don't, who, who, or who have failed and have a negative reference experience with that opportunity. And think about it, the red ocean that remains the people that you can't affect and that you can't win over that already follow Grant Cardone. He's just operating as an arm of your business or as an arm of your movement to fulfill the same purpose. Anyway, these people are going to grow up to be, entrepreneurs these people are going to grow up to be stars people who already follow russell brunson is fine he's accomplished they're he's they're going to get to the same place anyway and uh it, it, i think it really is just about like you know like if somebody who wants to lose weight uh you know people who love the intermittent fasting diet good the world is impacted beautifully they're losing weight but for the people who are suffering and hate that you know hate that we want them to lose weight too. We want the, the same thing, but we're just going to switch the dial. Okay, opportunity switch. Try to try to get up the keto diet, you know. But uh, the impact for people who love and are hardcore fans of these entrepreneurs already that can't be swayed, they're getting the same. They're they're in, you know the impact on the world is the same regardless of which opportunity switch. But it's just about targeting the people who don't like the opportunities that they're already Currently there. Yeah, you know, and uh, that that's right. a matter of really i don't know i feel like everything already is a niche you know i think like like his niche is like real estate and uh really commercial real estate investing um russell brunson is funnel building you know other people might be drop shipping and um i feel like it's about really sending out structured messages to people within these domains for the new opportunity that you might have that's specifically for them, you know? So the people who follow Grant Cardone, they're not, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to sway them. Like, okay, we got this entrepreneurial school because they're already further down the line. You know, that mm. opportunity of entrepreneur doesn't exist. You need an opportunity switch from the opportunity that they're already in. You want to take that red ocean and move them to a, a, a blue ocean that has elements of that red ocean still, because that's the opportunity. Right. They're already in the real estate market. They just like yeah. because he's commercial real estate and they might have their own qualms about commercial real estate. So you might just have to move them over a dial slightly by inventing a new domain of that. Like, okay. Uh, an example, just an example would be, okay. House flipping or, okay. You know, uh, you know, 
whatever it might be, family real estate, you know, it, it would be about yeah. finding unique verticals within those opportunities already. And they go on and on and on and on and on, you know? So I guess it would just be about getting creative in that regard or, or contacting and contracting, you know, the smaller guys within those markets. Like if Grant Cardone's commercial real estate, you know, contacting the smaller niches around him, like house flipping and bringing them on the team and integrating their business, acquiring their business instead of going up against them. You know, that's one concept that I, I, you know, I learned that was like, you know, really life changing, you know, um, like Russell Brunson, you know, instead of he had was wasting so many money. He had all these people on his team trying to run an email like an email uh, autoresponder, but then he pulled back. He stopped doing that. And he said, you know what? We're just going to buy constant contact and integrate them into this idea, which once again, it comes down to empathy, empathizing. What does the CEO or the owner of constant contact want? How can we collaborate with them? How can we bring everybody? How can we get Grant Cardone under this umbrella? So we don't even have to worry about competing with them. How can we acquire these people's movements and acquire these people companies and have them integrate into this idea after a while? I don't know. I'm just kind of freestyling as I go along. But, you know, no, no, this is awesome, man. I love hearing this stuff. That's just like Russell Brunson did in a case, isn't it? He's literally tagged teams with Tony Robbins, with Dean Graziosi, with Grant Cardone. Yeah. He's got ads with Grant Cardone now. Like, yeah, pretty much uh, advertising click funnels. Grant Cardone is on a plane and he's advertising click funnels. <laughs> that goes straight to your point of. Uh, Instead of going up against your competitors, maybe join up with them. And I didn't think of that either. Um, So that might be um, definitely, and I'm, as you can tell, probably I'm writing some notes while you're talking because this is some wisdom right here. And everyone else that's listening right now, I hope you're doing the same. Um, (laughs) Man, you might might want to go to to the professionals, man. Go to Russell with it, man. I'm just reiterating the beautiful things I hear from these people, the, the, the minds behind this and, a lot of them are just reiterating minds, you know, that came before them. So yeah, I would get definitely. I would read books like Play Bigger, um, which is all about category creation. But I think you know, realizing that the the goal is always to just we're designers. We design a concept, we design a vision, and we just plug in the right pieces. And then as you grow and as you get bigger in that vision, maybe it begins to expand. But instead of plugging in people. You're just plugging in companies like Amazon. We, Hey, look, man, we don't have a TV app or whatever. And they just bought it. They bought a company that already did it and just branded it Amazon TV. Oh, we don't have like Apple. Oh, we don't have a music streaming service. Okay. We're just going to buy Spotify or we're going to make Apple music, but we're also going to acquire Spotify, um, which they don't acquire Spotify. Spotify just integrates with them, but. Yeah, you know, a lot of big companies just buy smaller companies to do the job and they keep their CEOs and everybody in place because it's already a functioning company, you know, and uh, it's just about acquiring the right people. I think acquiring the right people to the movement, you know. Again, that's a different perspective of this whole mission that I never thought of. And see, that's why I love masterminds. Absolutely. Because I would never... This is a formal mastermind right now, even though it's one-on-one. This is a formal mastermind. Mm-hmm. I never would have figured this out on my own, this this different perspective on my own without your help. You know what I mean? Um, I think you would have. I think you would have, man. I, okay, maybe I would have, but it would have taken much longer. And that's also the power of masterminds is that 
like Tony Robbins says, it condenses decades into days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the power of combining and creating the right team around you. I feel like we're a team right now. <laughs> that's how powerful I feel about us. We're going to do great things, because, man. I really do. Because we can create some great things and we can integrate both of our systems and both of our um, both of our movements into one. Mm-hmm. We could be... We could be looking at looking into the face of each other right now, thinking, okay, how are we going to integrate with with our competitors in the future, where we could be doing it possibly right now? Yeah, you know, it, you know what I mean. Everything integrates. You know, this this university creates the designers of the future. You know. Yeah, there you go. It, 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 and it's all it's all it's all kind of cyclical because you know we have the designers of now, and the more we write for them and take their narratives, the more it overwrites the narratives of the people who will eventually come into this university in the first place. And then it'll bring that new crop. It, it's very cyclical in that way, but um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have to, because we're documenting a process right now. We're not at the top. Yeah. Of the we're not gurus yeah. or geniuses or entrepreneurs or anything like nah. that. We're, we're, we're in nah. the process. We're learning. And so that's what, that's what, that's what I love. Yeah, yeah, I guess to see it all unfold, people will be able to keep up with our journey when we pass these milestones, and it'll be amazing, man. Um, I, I you know, after I just, obviously, I'm, 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 I'm not a writer by nature. I'm going to go over and do music, but you know, for for now, it's a cool thing. And I just can't wait until, like, in another year's time, we listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, and just like just have a laugh over um, our conversations and like just recollect those ideas that we used to have and stuff like that. I cannot yeah. wait for that. And I'm so glad we're recording this conversation because it's such an impactful conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many people out there can take this wisdom into their own lives. And I hope so many people out there actually join us in our mission as well. Mm-hmm. And they align with our values. Yeah. to the point where they where they support our movement. Mm. Um, and I feel like that will happen eventually. It's going to take a while, but I happen, it will happen eventually. Because yeah. I know for sure, and you probably do as well, that there are people in need of our expertise. Yeah, for sure. Even though we haven't gone and created these multi-million dollar businesses, mm-hmm. this I feel like this conversation we're having right now is more genuine than those multi-million dollar businesses, those multi-million dollar offers. Because that's again, that's so far out of most people's reality. Mm. It gets overwhelming for them. They're like, okay, so he's offering this multi-million-dollar lavish lifestyle. So how do I start? Mm. And I feel like that's where we get into the target market, like you said, like taking a section of Grand Cardone's market yeah. and and taking it for us. Do you get what I mean? So. Um, where the more genuine, where the more, the, where the roots, where the real, um, quote unquote influences. I don't really like that word, but that's that's. Uh, but yeah, um, that's the, that's the way we can create this movement. I feel like that's another that's another perspective. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, man, it, it's it's all interesting. I think in 365 days, you know. Who knows? I, I I know for sure 
there will be two new multi-million dollar businesses. Now, the multi-million dollar tag is not important within the next 365 days. I know that. And people were like, oh, why, why would you say something like that? How do you know that? Be real. I mean, I, I mean, why not know it? I mean, why not predict it? Why not say it? I really do believe that. And, um, you know, I think also the second thing that will happen is in 365 days, and I'm waiting for this moment, when these ideas have led us to the next plateau, we're going to look back and be like, wow, that's very, very elementary. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you know how you, 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 in the past, you've been so brilliant. Like, you know what I'm saying? In my past, you know, maybe a year ago, I had such good ideas. And then yeah. like a year later, I'm like, that was a good idea, but check out this one. And uh, I think that process would be exciting, man. I, I really do. Um, I cannot wait, man. I cannot wait. And see, this is the part where I just love the journey. Yeah, I love speaking with you. I love speaking with other people like-minded, with like-minded like us. Um, I love grinding. I just love. This is the this is the best, man. Yeah. And I I wish this upon everyone because um, this collaboration, this journey, is so much more meaningful. This is so much more impactful than going and getting a full-time job and. Um, living paycheck to paycheck with no ambition in your life. Yeah. Uh, even if, even if in the next five years we're still talking, we would have, <laughs> we would have, we would have loved it, man. I feel like yeah. we would have loved that journey. We would have learned so much Yeah. and we'll still be young. Like we're, we've only, you know, crazy. We've only got four years between us and, just that fact alone is, is incredible how we're starting out so young. Um, think about that, man. Like if you fail for five more years and hit it big on the fifth year, they'll be like, oh, my God, he's a 24-year-old millionaire. He's a 24-year-old. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> like if you fail for the next five years straight, which, you know, I remember sitting at the dinner table, with, you know, like I said, my, my, my dude, man, having, having these conversations years ago. And, um, you know what I mean? And to strike it big now would just be like, you know, I don't know. Man. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get back to my girlfriend, you know, she upstairs. All right, man. No, this was a great talk. This actually went so much more, this was so much longer than I expected. Come on, man. You know, um, you know, when real, you know. You go and, and the real talk. people talk. Yeah, when real people talk, and I don't mean real in like a condescending way. I mean like real, as in like like you're an actual person, like with actual thoughts and that yeah. aren't programs from somewhere else. Like when real people talk, it's going to be a long, long time. You know, I've been <laughs> over an hour, which was three hours ago. <laughs> but you know, nah, um, no, nah, I love this man. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I do appreciate it. Thank you, man. Uh, Thank you. I thought I would have real power to pull away after an hour, but I just ain't have it in me. (laughs) (laughs) It was too good, man. But um, what's next, man? You have any any final thoughts, man? And uh, what's coming next, man? What's what's happening next? Um, just for everyone listening, if you have stuck around this long, you are a real one. Um, (laughs) and everyone that's listening, I hope you. Obviously, you align with our values or else you would not have been listening for this long. Um, and I just hope you stick around with us 
for times to come because we yeah. have such a drive between us two where we know for sure that we're going to accomplish major things in life. And I hope you join us on that journey. That's my final thoughts. Well, where, where, where can everybody uh, find you at? Obviously you'll have, you'll have this recording for your, for your podcast, but for the people who aren't on your podcast, where can they find you at, man? Uh, best part to check me out is um, on Instagram, Motivepreneur, uh, M-O-T-I-V-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. <laughs> um, I bet you'll be on the description anyway, but that's the best way to, part, to, to connect with me. Um, I'm creating all these influential, influ- motivational quotes and soon I'll be uploading videos. I'm actually doing podcasts now, so trying to just impact lives as much as I can. Um, yeah. To my audience as well, Junie, where can they find you? Man, uh, y'all can find me on uh, iTunes mainly at Grand Design. It's, it's a podcast. It's not the Grand Design podcast. It's just Grand Design. And uh, yeah, come come listen. Uh, I should probably make a Facebook group or something like that. But uh, if you want to hit me up for personal things, like if you want to talk or something like that, which I, I love talking. Which, by the way, regardless of which podcast you on, uh, you know, to find your motive or or the grand design, um, rate rate the podcast, man. Leave a comment. Leave something nice, you know. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, if you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Junie Prayer. Um, on Instagram at, at J U N I E P R A Y E R on Instagram, and um, wow, I, we've been talking this long. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I told you that that's a false name. Like, it's not, it's not my actual name. <laughs> oh no, I know your real name is Dallas. <laughs> People don't know that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just I just love calling you Junie. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know whether you actually called me that just now or not, but I, I was just I was just thinking about it. Like, uh, I should probably put that out there. But um, all right, man, man, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you for the conversation. No, I appreciate you so much, man. Um, I cannot wait until we have another one of these conversations. Which will be very. Uh, you take care, all right? Yeah, you too. I'll, you know, both of y'all. You know, people listening to the podcast and you as well. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> like literally, hundred percent, hundred percent. We're gonna go back on the grind. Right. How things develop, man. Uh, I'll send over audio and stuff. It's about 2 a.m., so I might send it over in the morning, but I'll, 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 I'll you know, do the thing. Thanks for sticking around this long, man. I know it's a bloody real, uh, real late at the moment <laughs> for you. Man, if, if I'm up at a, watching a movie at this time, and you know. Oh, is that? <laughs> I'm usually up and watching the movie or watching, um, what's, what's that TV show called? Um, it's like uh, Cops in L.A. What is it called? Brooklyn Nine-Nine? <laughs> no, it's like uh, what is that? Well, that's not LA. That's New York. Uh, cops in LA. Like cops in LA. I forgot. I, I always want to call the show Live PD, but it's not called Live PD. It got oh. Officer Nolan. What is the show called? Cops in LA. I'm gonna... Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of it either. Yeah, what? I know exactly which one. Yeah, my girlfriend be up watching that show, or I watch. I pick a movie every night because cops. I say what? Because I, I, I gotta know the show name. <laughs> TV show. What is the TV show called, man? No, not LA Cops. Don't be stupid. What? <laughs> Come on. Y'all know what the show called, man. Oh well, I guess it's I guess I guess we're not gonna find out tonight. It, in the next two, three days, you'll be like, oh shit, that's what it's called. <laughs> Message me straight away. 
it is going to hit me immediately. Oh, wait, here, here's what I can do. I'm just going to type in Officer, Officer Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. Yeah, that's the science, man. It's called The Rookie. That's what it's called. <laughs> the Rookie. That's the one. That's the funny one. Yeah. <laughs> be up watching The Rookie. Um, I don't know. I don't watch too much TV, but I like watching movies, so I'd probably be still up a little bit more. But all right, man, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll hit you up in the, uh, in the morning, see what you're talking yeah. about. Probably gonna be too easy, man. All right, man. But yeah, like I said, man, thank you for the conversation, man. Thanks for the time. It, it, it's extreme. No, thank you. Thank you. The honor's with me, man. All right. It's, all right. It's, it's so weird, like, man, saying saying goodbye is like, I always make it so long-winded. I don't know how to say goodbye. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just hit this button. I'll see you in the morning, man. All right. See you later, man. Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't know how to do a leave meeting. Here we go. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> End meeting. There we go. Peace out, dog.